0: Hi, entrepreneistas, it's Steph here. And I want to be sure you've had the opportunity to reserve your ticket to our Entreprenista Founders Weekend for our Wealth and Wellness Retreat presented by Chase Inc. We will be hosting our event at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida from May 3rd to May 5th. And you are definitely going to want to be there with us. This is going to be your opportunity to build relationships with some of the most powerful women in business. And I can share with you firsthand that the best business relationships are formed when we really get together in person. And I just know so much business magic is going to happen when we're all together from educational panels, networking activities, to wellness activations, inspiring keynotes and breakout sessions. This is going to be a weekend you are not going to want to miss. So you can reserve your ticket today over at entreprenista.com forward slash founders weekend. We only have a few tickets left, so be sure that you reserve yours today. That's entreprenista.com forward slash founders weekend. I cannot wait to see you there.
1: That first year was very challenging. I, um, I knew a lot about Pilates and I had some like, like sort of big picture, pretty good business ideas, but I think, um. In a tactical, practical operations way, I just had no idea what I was doing. I just didn't, I had no money. And so I was taking all of the money that came in and reinvesting it back into help, into employees. I was not taking a paycheck. Um, And payroll for a service business, payroll is your biggest expense. And it happens every two weeks, which is very often.
0: If you want a case study on building a business empire in the making, despite knowing essentially nothing about how to do it, thank you, Google. You might not need to look further than Heather Anderson, founder of New York Pilates. With four locations and three more planned in the next year alone, she's proven that creativity, hard work, determination, and research can transform a passion into a real business. Coming up, you'll hear Heather's journey, including why having an excellent product you believe in is crucial to growth, how she leveraged the people around her to jumpstart the business and spread the word, her use of influencer marketing before it was really a thing, and her early adoption of social media by using other people's influence, how she's overcome many challenges from having no money for payroll to running out of cash in the middle of construction. And why you won't hear Britney Spears in any of her Pilates studios. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises.
2: Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining us on the to podcast today. We're so excited to have you.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be here.
2: I actually tried out and went to uh, one of the classes this Saturday, and I had such a great time. I actually started doing Pilates a little bit. I don't get a lot of time to to work out. I need to make the time, but I really enjoyed the class with Xander. So let's give him a little shout out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad you went.
2: What was – so when I went in there, I noticed that it was very, you know, very downtown inspired but also Instagrammable. So what was the inspiration b- behind how you, you decorated the space?
1: Um, the spaces, we really wanted to just be a beautiful experience and to feel welcoming and um, have it feel more like a home than a gym. So – A lot of the aesthetics inside the studios are my personal preferences in terms of aesthetics. It's um, really beautiful, raw New York spaces. So I think that having those raw bones um, is really important. And then bringing in elements of just like of soft colors or like a a certain palette. And and then having it be somewhere you like really want to hang out.
2: Yeah, I definitely got that vibe. I absolutely want to go back. How did you get first discover Pilates?
1: Um, I started doing Pilates um in high school. I was an athlete as a, a dancer. And um I did Pilates actually because I was required to as part of my training. And um even at that young age, I really loved what it did for my body, it made me feel stronger, and um, definitely gave me a competitive edge. I would say. How
0: did you know that you wanted to turn your passion into a business, and what was that process like when you first made this realization?
1: Um. Well, totally. So I had been teaching Pilates for eight years already at the time that I opened the studio, and was I, that your full time? Yeah, doing full time. Okay. Yeah. So I had been teaching Pilates full time. It was like that was my full time job. Um. And I started teaching Pilates because I got a job at a Pilates studio working the front desk so that I could take class basically, right? And I watched, I remember sitting there at the desk and watching the interactions that were happening between the instructors and the students and the students coming in and talking about their experiences and how they're, how it was really transformational for them. And I was like, wow, this is very powerful. Like not only do I really like this personally, but watching that happen is just really magical. So that that's sort of how I was interested in becoming a teacher. Um and then for starting the studio, it was really I had been teaching for a long time, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make a place where you could go and take an awesome class because so much of what was happening in the marketplace was private sessions. And my friends couldn't go take Pilates. It's like, you know, I was in my, you know, at that point, late 20s. And none of my friends ever participated in the thing that I was really passionate about because it was just not very accessible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: And what was your first step when you decided you wanted to launch your own business? How did you figure out what to do first?
1: Well, so making that kind of decision is like you have to really – you have to just be obsessed, right? You have to like have an idea that you can't stop thinking about. Um, and then you have to make a plan. As I was initially making that plan, you know, I had been – Like a cash only person had a credit score of literally zero because (laughs) I didn't have any debt and I like didn't I didn't exist in on on the books in that (laughs) way. And so when I was starting to think about opening the studio, I was like, okay start at square one. Like I'm going to have to get a lease. I'm going to have to get a loan or, you know, that kind of thing. So I started building my credit and um, building a plan. So I think really making a plan and then starting to understand what your finances are going to look like, um, how much it's going to cost, where you're going to get that money is really, you know, figuring that out. So did you raise money? Um, we did not raise money. Um, New York Ploties is still investor free at this point. Good for you. Which Great. is something we're very proud of. All and And something that we are – open to changing in the right situation. So, you (laughs) know, not not so tied to it. But at this point, we're still investor-free. And, you know, literally started with basically nothing. So, with no money. So, I went to my – I had been teaching for a long time, as I said. And so I went to my students who really believed in what I was doing, and I pre-sold them a lot of Pilates at a discount. I pitched them my idea. They really believed in me. Um, And that was sort of the initial seed money. So I used that to go and uh, secure a lease. And then later I was able to leverage that lease and uh, into uh, an SBA loan. Where was the first location? The first location uh, we just moved it. It um, was on Third Street in Laguardia. So we just moved two blocks away. Now we're on um, Sullivan and Houston. And I really I picked a location that I knew was super central, that all of my current students could get to, and that was near subways, and it was central enough that people could get there. So it was like no matter where you are, like you can get. In how here did you find someplace? that space?
2: Because we're going through oh um, looking for space right now, and it's not an easy process, especially in New York City. And there's a lot totally. of things that we're learning now that we wish we had knew months ago or even years ago, because we're on our third space now. So, yeah. how did you figure it out? What was the first step?
1: I mean, I started looking at spaces with like I was on I was on Craigslist. I was on. Did you look with a broker at all? I worked with a bunch of different brokers. Okay. They didn't um, make you
0: sign an exclusive with them. This is what we're uh, learning. Yeah. Well, is it a commercial the, space? It was a commercial space. Yeah. Okay. Here's the
1: thing: is that every broker wants you to sign an exclusive, um, but it's it's absolutely in their best interest for you to sign an exclusive. But it's not in your right. best interest yes. to do that. So I wish it, we had this interview about <laughs> uh, six months ago, Heather. <laughs> I think that um, to me, it's. It's definitely in your best interest to say, that's great. I know you want that. It, that doesn't not work happening. for me. So Who was, how did you together? know that? Did you just
2: know that? that, that you're allowed to Or did say someone that? advise you to just not sign something?
1: I, I think I was just like, you've got to be crazy. Like, you haven't shown well, me the space <laughs> that I want. I don't know. Uh, no one had told me that. Yeah. I just, I was Good just like, you. that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not doing that.
0: Good for you. <laughs> Trust your instincts and your gut. Totally. So now you have your first space and you're open for a business. What did you do next? How did you grow this business? Because you have three more locations now.
1: So I would say that, like, you have to market. Um, but also you need to have an excellent product. So there are those, those two things that are both so important and you need to spend time on both of them. Um, we spent We definitely spent time figuring out exactly what our product was, you know. At the time, I had been teaching for eight years, but um, classes weren't like – boutique fitness didn't exist in the way that it does now then, and no one was doing Pilates in a boutique fitness. Mm. What year was this? Right? 2013. 2013, okay. I was just kind of starting, but there wasn't – I mean, part of the reason I opened the studio is I was – as a teacher of many years and also as a 20-something, I was like, yo, I want to take an awesome – Pilates reformer class and that wasn't a thing that was available and that was like a big part of the reason why I wanted to open the studio. So having a product that you really believe in and that you really believe other people want super important. Um and then I leveraged my network as much as possible and it was really initially grassroots and word of mouth. I printed up little postcards and I went to every business within a reasonable radius of us. And I talked to them and I was told them my story and why they would love Pilates. And I did it reached, work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, you, it, it's all Altogether, of it. Yeah, it's all of it. And I reached out to my friends and was like, please, like gave them free classes, like come in. Take class. Bring your friends. Um, I had my then hu- then boyfriend, now husband, was DJing at the time, and so he would be out at night giving out free classes. And at, after a certain point, we had like all of the girl DJs, and um, you know, we had I was trading someone for marketing, and we were doing influencer marketing really before that was a thing, just. Leveraging our network. So did you get on social media very early? Yeah, we were on social media. I I wish we were, we were on early. I think we were not really strategic with it until a little bit later. But we were definitely um, using other people's strategic uh, social media. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Can you share how much money you needed to just open up? You know. Buy all of the reformers, pay all of the people, sign the lease. I mean, what is it? What does it take to just get started?
1: All in all, within that first mo- six months, we raised about sixty grand. Um, we were desperately underfunded, and like we had to stop in the middle of construction because we ran out of money. And you know we absolutely did not have enough money and you should absolutely have way more than that if you <laughs> are starting a business um and also in the in the beginning i was the only person who worked there like in the first 6 months i mopped the floor and um and greeted the clients and checked people in and did payroll and you know all these things and then i the very first thing i did was hire a couple of teachers because you know, as a as this type of business, you're open, theoretically, 18 hours a day, right? So if I couldn't be there all the time, that was the most important thing. But it was just, you know, it was pretty crazy. And you should absolutely have more money than that.
2: <laughs> How long did it take until you realized, okay, now I'm ready to open up the second one?
1: We had been open for about a year and a half. Um, and it we had really hit a stride. The classes were full. Boutique fitness was having – it was just like from the time that we opened our doors to a year and a half later, like boutique fitness was a word that people knew or like a term rather. Was
0: that the time when ClassPass first launched or was that like a year later?
1: ClassPass launched maybe nine months after we opened. Open, okay okay. Um, and I think that that was a big part of it yeah. is there were all of these people who had never considered it before who were, you know, buying that – basically free pass and taking as many classes as they possibly could and really like kind of um artificially drove the industry to some extent
0: yeah, definitely and now they've changed their whole yeah their whole model which and i feel it, like, like had to happen makes but, sense from a financial yes, perspective yes. That like
1: at, you know all the studios were like what are we going to do about this it's yeah. like people are coming for free <laughs> Did it help <laughs> the your... only thing you could really do was limit the inventory you How many, gave yeah. them yeah
0: did it help your business that now you had the exposure to new people and they wanted to start they would continue to take classes did you find they ever paid full price or was it hard to convert that customer We
1: were able to convert people but you know it had to be negotiated strategically I would say and um you know, we looked at it, you know, when I signed up with ClassPass, I had like, you know, 10 people email me random things and it'd be like, sure, I'll try this. Sure, I'll try that, whatever. And when we signed up for ClassPass, it was the first thing that, um, I remember we signed up for it and, um, I, I was on vacation and I opened up, you know, obviously I'm checking our mind body yeah. while I'm on vacation. And I like opened up our mind body and I was like, whoa, <laughs> the The number of reservations that came through were just really blew us away, and we had just sort of we were just like whatever we just opened up all the classes. We didn't think to limit it because it had never been a with any partnership that we had tried. There had never been a situation where it like needed to be limited. It was just sort of like you know ten reservations a month or something from these other small. Uh, things that we're trying to do at ClassPass did, and i and i opened it up and it was literally all of our classes are overbooked now (laughs) it's like okay yeah i I remember emailing them and being like you have to stop like how do i turn it off (laughs) it was really crazy but also looking at that and um and seeing the opportunity instead of just seeing a lot of people were seeing the money they were losing as opposed to the opportunity. So we sat down and we're like, okay, how do we take this and turn it into a pro for us? It's like there are all these people coming through the door. We need to make a plan to sell them Like we need to make a sales plan. We need to make a conversion plan and make this really work for us.
0: It sounds like you just have this natural business intuition with all of these things that keep coming up in your journey do you think you were just this born entrepreneur? Like it was just in you from the time you were young? Did you notice like patterns when you were a child?
1: I would say I have had a lot of amazing people around me who've given me great advice. I think that I have some good instincts. I think that – um I think the best the best thing that you can do is be um ready to ask questions and find people who know more than you yeah. and – you know, take your ideas to them and and get feedback, Um, be really open and ready to accept feedback. You know, no one has all the answers. And, you know, I think that I did have some good instincts. Um, But it's really, I think, more than having great instincts, it's being ready to ask enough questions until you find the right answer Mm -hmm. and accept mentorship. Coming
0: up, you'll hear how Heather pushed past her challenges in the first year, and how everything in her business has evolved since. Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. As a founder, or really as a woman in business who is creating their own success, whether you're just starting a business or you're scaling it, dealing with finances and money can often feel very overwhelming and intimidating. We have all been there, but according to fellow entrepreneurista and personal finance expert Farooz Tarabi, that fear can surprisingly be very helpful for your future success and wealth. Farooz is the host of the So Money podcast and the author of the best-selling book A Healthy State of Panic. She gets candid about all things finance with leading business experts every Friday on her podcast. And she dives deeper into the nine biggest fears that hold us back both professionally and personally in her latest book, including rejection, loneliness, fear of missing out and failure to name a few. She offers a wealth of knowledge and tackles the relatable feelings we all experience about money. So you are definitely going to want to subscribe to her podcast. And if you want to meet Farnoosh live and in person, be sure to join us at our Entrepreneur Founders Weekend event from May 3rd to May 5th at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Farnoosh will be speaking, and she cannot wait to connect with you. You can reserve your ticket at entreprenista.com forward slash founders weekend, and we will see you there.
1: Tell us about the biggest mistakes you made in that first year. I mean, that first year was very challenging. I, um... I knew a lot about Pilates, and I had some like, like sort of big picture, pretty good business ideas. But I think, um, in a tactical, practical operations way, I, had, I just had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so there <laughs> that's are- how everyone starts. You can't know everything, <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't start a business, right? <laughs> it was pretty wild. So I would say, um, you know. From the very beginning, there were uh, things that happened. Like when I started paying people and I was like, how am I supposed to – who's supposed to do the payroll? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I guess I have to figure it out. And – um what did you use? I mean one of those payrolls. I have these funny pictures that I took <laughs> of checks that I hand writ- wrote in the first like six months. Oh we did I, that like, too. Manually yeah. <laughs> figured up how many hours people had yeah. worked. You know, it was just ridiculous, right? And my <laughs> record keeping was taking a picture on my iPhone, right? And um and you know, how that graduated into more reasonable and professional systems. When right? did you
0: realize, okay, I probably shouldn't be handwriting checks now? Did someone tell you, like, oh, you should probably talk to an accountant or –
1: I think that one one pay period – you know, I probably did this like 10 times, right? And I was writing these checks and it was a Friday and someone wanted their check and I was late and I was just like, okay, this this is unacceptable. Like I have to go find a better solution now. And then um, I got on Google and just Googled it and – Found uh, an option which I worked with for a while, and I've now gone through a bunch of different payroll. What did you systems. find? Was it a
2: part-time bookkeeper or an accountant?
1: I started working with uh, I started working with uh, paychecks. Okay, so yeah, then, I think we
2: used paychecks in the okay. early days.
1: So then I would, um, the mind body software would sort of like tally up the hours that people worked, and then I would send that over to my paychecks rep, who would then. <laughs> either send us the checks or then w- would direct deposit it, which was like that was great that it wasn't handwriting checks. Um, you know, and that was the very beginning solution. We have much, a, a much better solution now, right? Um, but the other things that happened is then I started getting letters from like the Department of Labor. And I was like, who <laughs> oh, was no. supposed to do this? <laughs> like who was supposed to tell me the answer to this piece of paper? So I just like, you know. I sent it to the paychecks people and they were like, okay, we don't do this. And then I eventually figured out that my accountant could handle it. And, you know, it's just things like that where you're like, I, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with this piece of paper. Can someone just tell me? And you Google it. And I think it's it's that kind of thing where you just – when you encounter a problem where you don't have the answer, just start by asking questions. And the easiest person to get an answer from is the internet. So – That's where you start.
2: Were there any mistakes that you made in that first year that made you think, okay, maybe this is not the best idea. I should stop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would say that in that first year, I definitely had more than one moment where I was like, this was not a great idea. Like I should probably not have done this. (laughs) This was What was happening in those moments that made you feel that way? I think biggest challenge for us, uh, for me, is that I just didn't – I had no money. And so I was taking all of the money that came in and reinvesting it back into help, into employees. I was not taking a paycheck. Um, And payroll – for a service business, payroll is your biggest expense. Mm -hmm. And it happens every two weeks, which is – very often. <laughs> Too often. <laughs> and so if you have no money and all of your money is going out to payroll, it's it's very intimidating. And there were times where it was like we're, I don't have enough money for payroll and I had to figure out solutions.
0: What were those solutions?
1: <sighs> there are all sorts of solutions. Like, you know, there are times when I took money out of my own or I would not pay myself or – um I would say, okay, you get your check on Friday. You have to d- deposit on Monday. This must you know, have been so expensive. stressful. It's, incre- it's like insane. And it's you started the, this business to does.
0: you know, teach people how to relax and yeah. take care of their body. And now yeah. you're running around trying to figure out how to pay everyone's bills. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think, you know, I just wanted to help people and teach people Pilates. And now I'm, um, you know,
1: on the phone with lawyers and accountants. Like, is, was this the right thing? To- I mean, it's absolutely that is a big challenge and something that before opening a business, you should really decide if that's what you want to be spending your time doing. I still teach and I love teaching. It's so satisfying and it's so fun. But I was also really excited for the adventure of learning new skills and um, and really creating something that I thought should be that I thought should exist in the world that didn't exist. And I think that's where, you know, that's where it comes back to why are you doing all mm. of this? And um I think that's the most satisfying thing. When I have students come to me, which every time I'm in the studio or people DM me all the time or you know I'm getting lots of communication from people, those stories when people come to me and they tell me about how New York Pilates has changed their life because they didn't have access to this before. And um, what it does for them in terms of their body, in terms of like an injury, in terms of the community, you know, and how positive that is for them, that makes it all worth it.
2: How did you stay motivated during those times of stress? What kept you going?
1: I think um, twofold. One, like I was just saying, the, the students and those personal experiences that people were having that are really powerful. Um and then also the staff. I had made a commitment to them that you know not only would I give them leadership, but I would I'm responsible for making sure that they can pay their rent, right? And like I think that that feeling of responsibility that I have, that commitment that I've made to them is there were many times when that's the reason where I was like This sucks, but I have to sort it out (laughs) because, like, it's not just about me.
0: At what point in that first year did you finally start making money and realize that this was going to be a success? Because we're going to open your next one about a year and a half later, you said.
1: I would say it was around the year Year mark mark, where there was definitely a tipping point. Um, in that year, I was able to get an SBA loan. Okay, which was very small, <laughs> but did can you share how much job. it was? It was fifteen thousand dollars. $15,000. Okay, very small. Yeah. but just gave us like a tiny little cushion. Yeah, and um, you know, and I and also that became very important later because um, it was the first step in building that um credit track record. Mm-hmm. So it was a building block to getting a larger loan later. Um, so I thought you have great credit important. now. Great credit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would um, you say that
2: things have gotten easier now after that first year?
1: Definitely easier. The challenges change. Right. The challenges change. Um, you know, you learn – we're much more organized. We are, we are an organization now. Whereas before we were like, you know, a little, it was like a little bit chaotic. Right. And, um, the questions that you're asking and the problems that you, the challenges that you face, they're just different. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're more mature problems. So that's what I always say to
2: Stephanie, when you solve a problem, a few more, <laughs> Two the more pop up. Isn't that
1: like gray hairs? Yeah. right. Yeah, totally. I've gotten a bunch of those now, too, <laughs> over the past few
0: years.
2: But you know, as the magi- business matures, you feel differently. You're, you're used to having to problem solve all the time. So Absolutely. We can totally relate. Totally. So, what's the biggest problem you have right now? Um, or challenge or opportunity, challenge, yes, right.
1: I like challenge or yeah. opportunity. Yeah, so keep let's, it. Let's not to, like, say a... the P word. Yeah. <laughs> um, Right now, I would say um, our big focus is um, messaging and making sure that we're staying in touch with our student mm-hmm. as we grow. Um, we, we have some big expansion plans on the horizon. And Tell us. And making sure that we stay connected yeah. to the individual and are still addressing their personal needs and it still feels like a personal community yeah. and and doesn't feel like a, a big box kind of company right. because we're not. It's like still what very are you doing top. now
2: to build yeah. that community?
1: Um, I would say one of the big things that we're working on is um, having that communication um, come down through each instructor and having the one-on-one relationships with the instructors and having all of the instructors on the same page about, you know, really, um, changing, helping people change their bodies, helping people, um, accomplish their goals and, um, really making it a personal experience, um, where there's a community, both mm-hmm. with your instructor and with the other people who are in your classes
2: how would you say the messaging has changed over time
1: um we have a cl- we we have something to say
2: <laughs> we always
1: <laughs> we always joke that um you know i i think initially we were kind of like we're here we're doing a thing and that was sort of the extent of our Just messaging come. right come right <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, like i kind of joke that that's like being a pretty girl at a bar yeah. you're like i'm here come talk to me Right. Whereas whereas now we're really trying to um, we, and we have we have things to say, you know, it's like very specifically we want um, to help people transform their bodies. And as you transform your body, you're really transforming your life mm-hmm. that changes your confidence, that changes how you move through the world. Right. And um, communicating that message and helping people achieve it.
0: What separates New York Pilates from all of the other Pilates classes and centers and yoga classes like what is your special sauce what's different
1: Yeah I would say that what separates New York Pilates from the rest of the fitness industry specifically is the the learning right so we are teaching you about your body and how to use your body in the most efficient way and that helps you to um that helps you to be stronger and more efficient and like as you're walking down the street you're thinking about how you're using your abs and as you're doing any other kind of workout right so that I think that's what differentiates us from the rest of the fitness industry in terms of the Pilates market um, we are accessible classes they're fast-paced they are um, a 50-minute full-body workout so a lot of the Pilates industry is very therapeutic-facing, mm-hmm. and we are a fitness solution to that. Heather, tell us about what it was like hiring your
0: first employee, and now that you've expanded to four locations, I assume, how many employees do you have now?
1: We are about 70.
0: 70 employees. Yeah. That is a big jump from you know first starting your business only five-plus years ago. What has that been like, learning how to manage
1: people and hire? Mm-hmm. management is a big challenge yes it's a big challenge for me i've gotten much better (laughs) um i worked at it really hard um management is a big challenge and also learning what you want in an employee is um has been a big learning curve as well i think initially i would just like hire the cutest coolest person (laughs) like you're cute (laughs) This seems fine. And (laughs) and really learning how to to assess people's skill level, how to assess their dedication and um, what really drives them and, you know, finding alignment in what drives people.
0: How did you learn what questions to ask? Did you have any mentors teach you anything or you just kind of figured it out as you went along?
1: I would say in terms of recruiting, it's been a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. Um, The questions – there's a question that my business partner and husband um, asks frequently when recruiting, which is what do you love about hospitality, Mm. specifically when we're recruiting for um, studio reps for the front desk? And I think that something I love about that question is – we are when someone answers that question and says, I love Pilates, I'm like, that's great. I also love Pilates, <laughs> but I need you to love helping people because that's really what your job is. Yes, yeah, very important. Um, something else on management is there's a book that I read this past year that was very transformative for me. It's um, by an author called Kim Scott. It's called Radical Candor, and I've been sort of loosely referring to it as the feedback book, Um, and it really is incredible. It's amazing. It's the best book on management that I've read, Um, and it really is about compassionately giving honest feedback and really walks you through the process. It's incredible.
0: What's the name one more time? I'm writing this down I need to read that.
1: (laughs) What's it called? (laughs) It's called Radical Candor. Radical
0: Candor, okay. By
1: Kim Scott. You can listen to it on audiobook and she reads it, which is cool. You hear it in her voice.
0: That is a good tip.
2: Outside of the Pilates instructors and and the front desk reps, who else do you have on your team? What other roles exist at the company?
1: Um, We have – we are changing our structure a little bit right now. So we then also have a studio director at each location. We have an instructor manager at each location, and then on the corporate level, we have a director of operations, we have an operations manager, we have, um, and then we have the creative team and an HR manager. Um, And then our finance team is out of house and I manage them.
0: Coming up, we'll take a deeper
1: look at how Heather
0: has used social media in her business. Plus, a surprise and a brainstorm. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entreprenista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entreprenistas. We really wanted to create a community for entrepreneurs to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed. It's going to be an exciting 2019 and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. Heather, Courtney has a surprise for you.
2: (laughs) So something that Stephanie and I always like to do with our guests is surprise and delight them. And this is a tactic that we always recommend to our clients when uh, engaging their audience on social media. So we actually took a look at your social media channels.
0: (laughs) Courtney can't reach your surprise right now. (laughs) And we have a surprise for you in this bag. Ah, Uh, so Fabulous. Open it. So up. everything in there is a surprise, but there's one special surprise, which is in the envelope. Okay. So i you want to open the envelope? Sure.
1: Love. Yeah. It's a clear bag, so it's
0: not too <laughs> big of a surprise. <laughs>
1: this is amazing. Thank you guys. What will it be? What will it be? What is it? Oh, this is very cool. Thank you guys. Um, it's an outdoor of voices gift certificate for $50. Thank you. Thanks so very, awesome. very thoughtful. Which
2: leads us to our next question because we took a look at your social media and, and obviously you, you post a lot about what you're doing in the studio and what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So talk to us about how you use social media to grow your business and, and your personal brand.
1: Yeah. Social media has definitely been um, a huge, I would say, I would call it a word of mouth vehicle, right? So. One strategy that we have really used is taking the experience of Pilates, what's actually happening on the reformer and showing it to people because that was a place where we felt like people, we would say the reformer and they would be like, oh, it's like a weird torture machine or like have, they didn't understand what happened. So that's something that we've really done is we've really shown people through these beautiful videos what happened on a reformer in your class right so they have a conceptual idea of it before they go into the room they know what to expect and then we've also really set a tone in terms of our color palette and music the music on the videos reflects the music that you're going to hear in class Mm. um and you know so you already know that you're probably not going to hear britney spears in a new york pilates class you are absolutely not going to hear <laughs> Britney Spears in a New York Pilates class. Let me be oh, glad that for <laughs> because she loves Britney Spears. But Which, that's okay. I can still – I'll be okay. I love be, the
2: music actually now thinking back to Saturday. And to, to be Saturday. clear,
1: I love – I also love pop music. i <laughs> like I'm going to get down It's just not just right the not the right but it's theme not, for it's you. It's not the theme. It yeah. has Um, – it is generally – it's like electronic or like kind of – um it has a vibe to it that both engages you and not to distract you from the workout. Um, we use a lot of, um, of covers of songs that might feel familiar, but are done by a smaller artist and, um, is like maybe are like an electronic R and B version of it. So that's, that's definitely the style of music. And it's really engaging. It's very unique to the experience you'll have at New York Pilates. And it's very different music than you'll be hearing in a different fitness experience.
0: Are you involved in the social media strategy and execution of it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Brian, my husband and business partner, and I do it together. Um, We are still like, if you DM New York Pilates, it's both of us answering you. If you DM Heather Anderson, I'm responding to you. So it definitely, we're absolutely still controlling it. Um, And we get a lot of amazing feedback through that as well. So we are really hearing from the students on a regular basis, both in classroom, but specifically on social media as well. Um, And We also use that as a channel to talk to people about what we're doing and what's going on. And, you know, in addition to setting that tone and brand, something else that's been really amazing and wasn't so strategic as something that happened on its own was people would come into the studio and take a selfie in the space with the bricks, with the white brick and a plant or um, with the, the... things that we have dressing the space and it's a very specific looking space. So people were taking selfies and tagging New York Pilates and, um, we just, we regram people. And that has been a really interesting feedback loop where then people are like, Ooh, did I make it onto the <laughs> Instagram today? Right. And also as in, in the same vein, um, We've had a lot of influencers. We don't pay for any influencer marketing at all. Um, but we, you know, will definitely gift classes. And um, we've had, you know, we have huge influencers who are really big fans of New York Pilates. And we're not paying them to come in. They're just, they love coming. Mm-hmm. They love what the classes do for their body. And, you know, it's their job to take pictures of themselves. So, you know, they're- <laughs> you get the content. Exactly. Which has been really powerful, I think, and I think has given us a lot of visibility. I was
0: going to say, have you seen an uptick in new business when a big influencer comes in and he or she posts, and then
1: I would say it's not, um, it's not so direct. I would also say we're really busy, so I'm not sure if it would be definable whether there's a specific up- uptick from a specific influencer coming and tagging. But I think that it all is involved yeah. in like the the perception and ambiance.
0: Is there any marketing that you do that is measurable that you're able to tie back to specific initiatives?
1: We do not do very much advertising at this point. Um, our advertising strategy has been exactly that word of mouth, free classes, the Instagram, um, with, you know, an occasional Google AdWords if we're doing something very specific, um, We've done a handful of street campaigns which are absolutely not measurable and <laughs> are only for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep having oh, fun in your business us. marketing.
2: <laughs> what? Email marketing? Are you sending out emails? Yeah, regularly? we
1: do we do a small amount of email marketing as well. I mean, we've really had a policy of not taxing our lists. Mm-hmm. So if we have something very specific, um, we'll send out an email about it. But I would say we send out less than 30 emails annually.
0: Well, it sounds like the business you have created and made for for people who come to your classes is one that people just want to come to. And it's not about getting, you know, 30 percent off a class or seeing an ad somewhere. They just generally want to pay for your classes and want to be there because of the difference it's making in their life. So you've clearly created something so special.
1: I mean, it's been really amazing to to, you know, to create something like that, I almost see it as, like, being the facilitator of it, right? And, um, and I think when you create something that really creates meaning and change for people, it's not really about how much it costs mm-hmm. for them. It's about what happens for them in the room in that moment. It's about the experience that they get. Yeah. So now you're five plus
0: years in what is your day to day like what do you focus on what aspects of the business are
1: you focusing on um this past year 2018 i took on uh, actually a pretty big financial role in the company um i <laughs> Among things that I did included reading a CFO textbook, which I'm about fifty percent through. I you know Good skipped the you. chapters were not that were not specifically relevant to our phase of business, but really understanding the language so that I could better manage our team. Um, so for 2019, my focus is really um, turning back to um, what's happening inside the room, engaging with the instructors, and really being a leader for them and um, also, um, really, as I said earlier, we're really like clarifying our message and want to be communicating directly with our students. Mm-hmm. And so I see that as my main role for 2019.
2: What do you do to disconnect? Do you take a lot?
1: Well, anyway. so <laughs> we should, I mean, Ironically, I take a lot of Pilates. <laughs> <It> makes <laughs> sense. Idea. I mean, I really, I really love it. And, um, I am so thrilled that, like, I can go take classes at an awesome Pilates studio because that was, you know, one of my my personal, selfish, original goal, right? Um, but I also try and make time to go on vacation as much as possible. And um, I did not do enough of that last year. I'm going to do a little bit more this year. And, um, you know, carving out that personal time so you take a moment, step away. um, have quiet time with yourself so you can think about your thoughts and goals and, you know, get away from the noise and the chaos. Um, and, you know, also carving out time for your relationships and your friends, which is always challenging when you've done a thousand things, you've talked to a thousand people, and you get home and you're like, I could totally just like watch television and like zone out. Yeah. But I think ultimately when you engage with the people you love, you're so much more fulfilled and have, that helps create more energy.
2: Something that we like to do with all of our guests is a brainstorm, actually. Okay, great. So is there anything that we can help you with? And we'll put 60 seconds on the clock and, and we'll start, all three of us, just brainstorming a specific topic. Um, well... In terms of like anything, any business opportunity you have.
0: Business. Unless you want to brainstorm vacation yeah. ideas. We, yeah, can yeah, we can do that too.
1: We'll change it up now. Um well, I would say um this year something I've been talking a lot about is like planning and being really proactive. Um and as part of that I love getting, like, beautiful, like, planners and notebooks and writing things down on paper. I don't know if there are other strategies that you guys have for, like, how you organize your thoughts and your mind. How um,
0: anyway, do I organize my
1: things? There's so many. All right. We'll put 60 seconds on the clock. Ready? All right,
0: organization ideas. I'm actually probably not the one to be giving advice on this, but yeah. I do <laughs> I do write things down because and when I set goals for the year or for the month, putting everything in writing to me like signifies okay, we, I have something to look at to move forward towards and make an action plan. So I definitely believe in writing things down. Courtney's is much more organized. <laughs> so, so something that Stephanie and I started doing in the last year
2: that's been really helpful, and, and maybe this will be helpful for you and your husband since he's your business partner, is we'll, um, we'll quickly connect on Sunday nights and then just talk about what we have going on for that week or that month and just both get on the same page because typically when we're going into the office, we're both you know going in opposite directions, and it's really important to make time to connect and think about what you have going on you know a month from now. Uh, we also do end-of-year planning sessions with ourselves and then our different department heads to make sure that everyone is, is aligned, and then uh, weekly meetings with the, the management team are really I important. That.
0: Oh, and when we do have our calls, we try to cancel things that aren't important anymore so we can find more time to focus on what is.
1: Love. Yeah. I love all of that.
0: And so. then, oh, we also we're started doing
1: the <laughs> I mean, we c we'll This
2: is what I like, though. Uh, <laughs> we also started coming up with themes for our years. Mm. So this year, our theme is stability. So we don't make decisions that aren't going to provide stability to our lives. I love that. And business, yeah. And business. So The year stability. We got to be better at asking that question before we make a decision, but we're, we're trying. It's still January,
1: <laughs> so we've got uh, really, 11 more months. You're only really two weeks in. You have a Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, those ideas were helpful. Yeah, great. I love all of that. Good.
0: So, I have a question for you. Yeah. What does being an entrepreneur mean to you?
1: I think, as an entrepreneur, I think you have to have that passion and drive where whatever it is that your idea, whatever idea that you're bringing to the table, you have to be so obsessed with it that you cannot stop talking about it. You are driving your friends crazy with um, how much this needs to happen. You can't let it go. You have to be, have that kind of passion and drive for your idea to get you through the hardships that are to come and to get you through those challenge moments. Um, And I think that really believing in your concept to that to that degree, is that's entrepreneurship.
0: I couldn't agree more. You have to have that passion and drive. Otherwise, you can't make it through the, through the hard times. Yeah. And you mentioned some big
1: expansion plans. Can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up? So for 2019, we are planning on opening three more locations, wow. which is a big expansion. It's almost doubling our footprint this year. Um, and we have a goal of fifty plus locations in the next five years. So,
2: are they all going to be in New York front. or different cities?
1: We'll definitely be focusing on New York initially. Um, for this year, we're planning uh, Flatiron and Upper East Side. Oh, I'm uh, on the Upper East Side. There so, you go girl! Yes. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> Um, and then an additional Hamptons location. And then we're definitely going to fill out um, New York and then move into East Coast markets is what we're thinking. Would you
0: ever franchise or everything's going to be owned by?
1: That's not currently the plan. Yeah. Um, I try not to say never yeah. about anything as a rule of thumb. You never know. <laughs> that's not that's not the plan.
0: Heather, thank you so much for coming on the Entrepreneurship podcast and sharing your story. You have definitely – taught me so much over the past hour, where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, take your classes?
1: It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Um, You can find us on Instagram at New York Pilates, all spelled out, or you can find me at Heather Anderson. Um, And as I said earlier, we respond to DMs. You can reach out to us there. You can also book classes online at NewYorkPilates.com. I also have something for you guys, if you want it, and your listeners. You gave me a gift, so I have something for you. It is an offer of 15% off of reformer Classes and Packages. Um, You can use the code FEELYOURSELF15, all caps. Thank you so much. Oh, I know everyone you. is
0: absolutely going to love this. So anyone who's in New York or if you're traveling to New York, definitely stop by and take a New York Pilates class. Courtney highly recommends it. Right, Court? Yes. Two thumbs up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will be back next week with another incredible entrepreneurista. Until then, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entreprenistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entreprenistapodcast.com. Entreprenista is produced by Mouth Media Network for Socialfly. Copyright 2019, Socialfly, all rights reserved. Thanks for listening. founders are always asking us what has been the secret to our success building multiple seven figure businesses. Do you want to know how? It's our community. We created the Entreprenista League for founders like you. Our members have access to everything we've used to grow our businesses over the past 10 plus years. To learn more and get on the waitlist for when doors are open again, head over to entrepreneista.com. That's entrepreneista.com to get on the waitlist.